you have your Bibles, open to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, and this will be our third and final session under the topic and the theme of being unashamed for Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus has called His twelve apostles. He's begun to assemble the team. He then commissions them to go out to share this Gospel, this message of the Kingdom. He tells them what they are to do, what they are not to do. And then He lets them know the inevitable is about to happen. As you go forth with this Gospel, persecution will come. It's not a matter of if I will face persecution for the sake of Christ. It's a matter of when I will face persecution for the sake of Christ. The apostles faced it. And then Jesus would give them these words, picking up in verse 26 through verse 33. Follow along with me. Jesus says, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledged me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. About 24 hours ago, we were sitting in this room and we launched looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And I gave you two reasons why we are to not be ashamed from the Apostle Paul. We are not to be ashamed of the Gospel because it is the power of God. It is not a dead story. It is God's life-giving message of salvation to everyone who believes. So we, have, so we are to trust in the power of God. And we are also, another reason to have confidence is because we have received this Gospel by faith. We are to be confident, for the righteous shall live by faith. We can trust this. This is why we should not be ashamed, but live faithful. This morning we looked at Timothy and Paul's instructions to him on being confident in the Gospel. We notice that there's confidence, and confidence comes through encouragement. Confidence comes through a strong urging and exhortation. And confidence comes through looking at the example of those who have gone before you. And so tonight, as we would close, and we would bring this three-session thematic teaching to a close, I want us to consider boldness. Unashamed, confidence, and how boldness 
for Jesus. In the first two messages, I asked you to think. I asked you to consider. Tonight, I want to give you a challenge. I want you to do something. It is not enough to sit here three times and walk away unchanged. It is not enough to sit here and walk away and say, I enjoyed winter weekend. I liked playing the games. I want you to do something. And so I will, at the end of this message, offer you a challenge. And you will do something by virtue of whether or not you accept it or not. But you will all make a decision. Whether you will take up the challenge or you will reject it. But you cannot walk out of here the same way you walked in. So, as we would consider boldness here from the words of Jesus... I want us to consider first verses 26, 27, and 28. And that boldness comes through obedience. It's not a profound truth. It's an ordinary truth. It's a timeless truth. And it's one we all need to be reminded of. That we can have boldness for Jesus through simple obedience. Notice here the commands that Jesus gives us to obey as He's speaking to His his apostles and by virtue of that, every generation that has taken the Gospel from the generation before them to which you have been given the Gospel, you've been given the message of the Kingdom of God, you must do something with it. The baton is in your hands. So you must act. And here's the command to obey first. If we haven't heard it enough this weekend, do not fear people. Do not fear people. Jesus says here in verse 26, so have no fear of them. What he's talking about are those that, have, that are going to oppose the message. Those that by virtue of opposing the message will oppose you. Those who by virtue of opposing the message and that will oppose you will seek to persecute you for the message of Jesus Christ. And he says, have no fear of them. Have no fear of them. Why? Why might we ask? Jesus gives us the explanation. Here in verse 26, look at your Bible. He says, For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What Jesus is essentially saying here is do not fear what people will say to you, will will do to you at all because God will vindicate His servants. Because God knows what they're doing. And God will repay those who mistreat His messengers. It might be in this life or it might be in the life to come. But God has got your back. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Paul, again, writing, says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So friends, the first command that we are to obey in order to have boldness is to do do not fear people. Do not fear. Second, share the gospel. It's simple. 
It's a simple, I told you, it's simple obedience. Don't be scared of people. Don't fear people. Share the gospel. Notice what he says here, verse 27. Again, look at your text. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. What you have heard whispered, proclaim on housetops. What he's saying here is that the life-changing message, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes is not to be a secret message. It is not to be whispered to others. It is, it is to be proclaimed publicly, boldly, with confidence, trusting in the God of the gospel. Jesus is suggesting here boldness, a fearless witness. Proclaim it on the housetops. Now, he's not saying necessarily go climb on your roof and start sharing the gospel. To, the, to those of you that live in Coventry, nobody around would even hear. But what he is saying in use of this term is that you are to be bold. It is to be in the public square. It is to not be ashamed. Think about Peter. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus has already ascended into heaven. Peter has denied him three times. He'd be another one to look at. There's a restored person who was once ashamed. He is actually scared of a little girl who came up to him, and he denied Jesus because he was afraid of the little girl. If you have denied Jesus, that does not mean that you have to constantly deny Jesus. Peter is restored. Jesus restores him. They're all in the house together in Acts chapter 2. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, like fills the house with like fire, and they come out of there as a bold witness. Peter stands up. It's the Feast of Pentecost, so everybody is traveling to Jerusalem. It's the, it's the third, it's the, there's three main feasts. They had already come for Passover, and then some 40, 50 days later, they come back. So this whole mass of Jews are back once again in Jerusalem, and Peter stands up in front of the very crowd that screamed out, crucify him, crucify him. And he looks boldly at all the Pharisees, all the Jews that saw to the death of Jesus and tells them straight up, you killed the Son of God. Peter had the boldness of a lion. He was fearless in that moment. And in saying those things, Peter signed his death certificate. He was willing to die for Jesus in giving this statement. You know what happened? All of those people, they didn't pick up stones and say crucify Peter. Instead, the Holy Spirit cut their hearts. They said, what must we do? Because we have felt the conviction of our sins. 3,000 people, 3,000 individuals came to Jesus Christ on that day in saving faith. They were baptized and the church exploded. What we need is a generation of people to rise up fearless, bold, and say, I will sign my death certificate, but that Jesus Christ would be proclaimed. Maybe we don't see a mighty work of God happen because we're afraid of what people are going to say. We need to be bold in the sharing of the gospel, just like Peter did. And this is the message. Jesus is king. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the savior. And Jesus is the judge. Third command that we would see, verse 28. 
Once again, Jesus circles back. You notice here, there's repetition. Verse 26, so have no fear of them. Now in verse 28, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Show me what you fear in this life, and I will show you who your God is. We are all created to fear. We all fear. We all fear something, or we all fear someone. It's a matter of who and what. In a world that fears death, trying to avoid death becomes God for many people. In a culture that idolizes youthfulness and fears aging, the God of beauty products, anti-aging creams, hair dye, hip-looking clothes for old people. Those are gods to people. They obsess over these things. They, they can't get it out of their mind. They're fixated. They want to stay forever young. Doesn't happen, right? You see, everybody has a God. Do you have a little G God? Or is your God the one we sing to? To fear God is to worship God. And to worship God is to obey God. It says, appropriate your fear. Put your fear where it belongs. Do not fear those who can kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather, take the fear that you have and appropriate it to where it is due. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Boldness comes when we set our fear in the right place. So let me ask you, will you fear God? Or will you fear people? You cannot do both. It's like trying to go left and right at the same time. If I fear people, I will be silent. If I fear God, I cannot be silent. Here's the motivator. This isn't telling you to fear God that he's going to send you to hell. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's talking to his disciples. He says, fear God because eternity is at stake here. Because this message that we have is not just add it to your life to live a good life. This is life and death. This is heaven and hell. This is somebody's eternity. Are you concerned with the souls of people around you? Do you care that there are thousands and millions of people dying in their sins going to hell. We must be motivated to be bold because God holds the keys to eternity. Think about it. You've probably heard it said, imagine that you got the cure to cancer. And everybody in this room had cancer. But you had taken this cure and you had been healed. But you are afraid how they might treat you if you told them that you had the cure to cancer. They might laugh at you. They might think you're crazy. Nobody's got the cure to cancer. Who do you think you are? So you're just quiet. And you keep that to yourself. I would say the wickedest person in the room is you. 
But you, having the message of life, eternal life, and we would tuck that in our back pocket. That's for me and my security and my goodness. Never mind them. Maybe somebody else will tell them. Old famous preacher Charles Spurgeon said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let none go unwarned and unprayed for. We are to labor for people. Boldness for Jesus comes through obedience. Do not fear people. Share the gospel. Fear God. Those are the three things of obedience. Let me tell you one more time. Do not fear people. Share the gospel. Fear God. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Here's a second heading I would supply to you about boldness. Boldness for Jesus comes through knowing you are cared for. Oh, if you have not heard anything this weekend, I want you to hear this right now. That boldness for Jesus comes through knowing that you are cared for. You see, Jesus says, don't fear them. Even if they can kill you, don't fear them. The response to anyone, we'd say, but Jesus, nobody wants to die. That's true. Jesus anticipates this response. And so as the master teacher, no, the perfect teacher, every illustration, every word picture that Jesus ever gave was perfect. Imagine this. Every time you read a parable, every time you see a word picture from Jesus, this is the imagination of God, the perfect imagination of God telling a story. It is the perfect story. And so he does it here. In verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? We don't sell birds too much in our culture. But what Jesus is getting at here is that these sparrows are worth half a penny. That's, that's not worth anything. I walk by a penny on the ground and it's not worth my time to pick it up. Let alone two sparrows. But what Jesus is saying here is think of the birds. If you're struggling with fear, if you're struggling with fear of people, if you're struggling with the fear of death, the fear of persecution, think about birds. Even the cheap little birds of meager value, Jesus says here, are protected by the Heavenly Father. He would use this again earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, talking about anxiety. And he would say, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor they gather into barns. And yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? You are worth more to God than a bird. And He cares for the birds. In fact, God cares about you so much, 
He even knows you better than you know you. Here's the one that would blow all of us away. This is how intimately God knows you. And in knowing you, He loves you. And in knowing you and loving you, He is caring for you. Even the hairs on your head are all numbered. He's watching out for you. He cares for you. As we start to get older in life, that number starts to dwindle. And our hairs start to fall out. We start to lose our hair and we turn bald. And I'm lamenting in this moment, God cares. God cares for all of us. Knows every one of the hairs on your head. They're all numbered. Knows the name and named every star. And how vast His loving care is and His almighty power. He cares for you as an individual. You matter to God. You might feel like you are walking alone, seeking to be bold for Christ. Jonathan Edwards, who lived hundreds of years ago, he resolved that in his life, he said, resolved that I will live for Jesus Christ and if nobody else does, I will live for Jesus Christ. You might feel that you are on an island that you are trying to be faithful, that you are seeking to be bold. I want to tell you, you are never alone. You are never, ever alone. Jesus says here, look. Verse 31. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. I would say than all the sparrows. Because why? Because you're a nice person? Not all the time. What makes you more valuable than the sparrows? You are God's special creation. There was only one time and one day where God looked at His creation and said, behold, it is very good. Every day he saw it and he says, this is good. And then he creates his special creation. His image bearers, man and woman, created in his image. And you who are in Christ, you've been born again by the Spirit, being continually transformed into the likeness of Jesus. You are of immense value to God. He cares for you. He loves you. He protects you. He guards you. And the only things that happen in your life are what He has determined. And you might think it's bad in one day, but then you get through that time and you look back and you say, thank you, God. Thank you. So when you are facing a difficult time and persecution is coming your way and you're thinking, I don't know if I can do this, remember this, all the hairs on your head are numbered. God goes before you. God is beside you. God is behind you. God is above you. He has wrapped you in the bubble of His grace and He will sustain you, protect you, and guard you. 
Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The psalm would go on. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all his ways. Friends, boldness comes through knowing that we are cared for. So young person, older people, all of you in this room right now, I want you to listen to me. Look at me. Listen. The most empowering, freeing, confidence-building And boldness-producing truth is this, that you have been loved with an everlasting love. A love that has never wavered despite your sin and your failures. If you need a reminder about how much you are loved, there is one place and one place alone to look. And that's not inwardly, and that's not at your friends, and that's not at your peer groups. You must look outward, upward, and by the eyes of faith, you must behold Christ upon the cross. That is the place where you can behold the love of God for you in the suffering of His Son. When we look upon the bleeding Savior of Jesus Christ, hanging upon that cross, we see the infinite value Love and care that God has for us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how much will he not also give us all things? In this, God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. As I think about Christ and his sufferings, I am humbled, but I am also empowered. I also, I can't contain myself. When fears weigh me down, because I struggle with fear, I'm not the boldest person. Sometimes I'm the cowardly lion as well. When fears weigh me down and boldness is lacking, to this I will cling. That Christ Jesus, with the boldness of the lion, not of the Wizard of Oz, but the lion of the tribe of Judah, walked that road to Calvary with the cross upon his shoulders. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And as he hung there on that cross, a spectacle for the world, His beard ripped out, nails through his hands, bleeding, suffering. He did it courageously. He did it with boldness. He did it for you. To bear my sin, to bear my shame, for every time that I have sinned and been unashamed of him, He bore that on the cross so that I might be forgiven and that you would be forgiven. 
And as He hung on that cross, the wrath of God against our, for, for our sins, the cup of the fury of God's wrath was taken and it was poured out upon Jesus. And Jesus in that moment on the cross hangs there and He absorbs the wrath of God. Some people have given an illustration something like this. Imagine you were standing before a dam that was a thousand miles wide and a thousand miles high. And as you're standing in front of this dam, you begin to look at the walls of the dam and it starts to crack. And you start to hear this loud rush of water. There's nowhere for you to run. There's nowhere to hide. In this moment, when this dam cracks, all that is in front of it will be utterly devastated. There will be no even picture of existence of anything that ever was as this force of water will destroy everything. And it is as though you are standing in front of this dam and as the walls crack and the, and, the, and the flooding water begins to rush out, it's as though before the water comes and engulfs you and, and kills you, the ground in front opens up in fullness. And all of the water that is meant to come upon you, that is to fall upon you, is absorbed into the ground. And you do not have one drop of water touching you. When Jesus hung on the cross, He absorbed the fierce fury of the wrath of God against our sin. It is as though the dam of God's wrath broke out and Jesus took it all so that we would not have a drop of wrath for us. When Jesus drunk the cup of God's wrath in full, He took the cup, He flipped it over, and He said, it is finished. What that means is that there is none left for you. You are cared for because God provided His Son to appease His wrath so that He can shower you with grace. This is what you need for boldness. You are cared for for God who goes before you and that along your journey, He is there Every step of the way, you are never alone. You are cared for. And finally, boldness for Jesus, we'd see in verse 32 and 33, comes through confessing Him to the world. Boldness for Jesus comes through confessing Him to the world. Boldness is built as boldness is exercised. We grow in our boldness as we commit to being bold. I told you I'm going to challenge you tonight. And I'm going to challenge you to accept the challenge of boldness for Christ, confessing Him. Notice here Jesus gives two promises. And it's really not my challenge. I'm just giving you the words of Jesus. Two promises. The first is positive. And this promise is for you right now. You must do something with it. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. What Jesus is saying here is that if you will be faithful to obey what I say, what I have said, and you find your comfort in God's care for you, you will confess me to the world. And I will confess you to my Father. So what's the result? What does he mean by that? Confessing you 
to his Father. This is what he means, that heaven is your home. Eternity with God and the Son of God is your destination. Everlasting life is your reality. But there's a negative. And Jesus ends here with a negative. He says, deny me before the world, and I will deny you before my Father. I can't talk around, apologize, or try to talk away what Jesus says here. He says it exactly this way. Deny me before people, and you will be denied before my Father. Not like, you know, maybe deny. He says, if you live a life of denial, and you live a life of not confessing me, don't act surprised when you get there on that day, and you hear, depart from me, I never knew you. If you constantly disobey Christ's commands, you find no comfort in God's provision through the cross, you will no doubt deny Christ. And you will hear the scariest words any human being has ever heard. I never knew you. Those four words are the most terrifying thing anybody could ever hear. And the sad reality is there are many people outside this wall in this world that are driving headlong to hear those words. And they have a date with eternity that's coming sooner than they think. To deny Christ, the results, hell is your home. Eternity separated from God and the Son of God is your destination. Everlasting torment where the fire is not quenched and the worm does not die is your reality if you deny Christ. Yes, I mentioned Peter. Peter did deny Christ, and we all at some point in our life have once denied Christ. Denying Christ is not the unpardonable sin. We can be restored. We can be forgiven. Christ died for our denial. But if you will not confess Him, don't expect Him to confess you. It doesn't matter that you've gone to church, that you've participated in youth group, that you've served in the nursery, that you've been a good person, that you've treated others nicely. The question is for you right now, are you confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior now? I don't care what you've done or what you haven't done. Are you confessing Him now? There is no secret Christian. There's no undercover agents. Jesus draws the line in the sand And he says, you are either for me or you are against me. Chuck Colson came out with um, uh, this question that I would pose to you. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would you be able to convince, or would, would there be enough evidence to convince a jury of your peers? Where do you stand tonight? For some of you, Maybe you need to take that first step. 
You need to take that first step and confess Him before men as your Savior. Have you come to the point in your life where you've been convicted of your sins? And you see your need for a Savior. Are you convinced? Are you committed? Will you confess? Every salvation is personal, but no salvation is private. If I'm talking to you and about you, you need to do that tonight. You need to do that with your youth leaders. You need to do that when you go back to your room. You don't know when eternity's coming. You must close with Christ. The words that we said in Romans, let me repeat them to you. The word is near you and it is in your mouth and it is in your heart. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For others here, there's another confession that needs to be made. And it is a confession of our sin. It is the confession of our sin. The sin of fearing others and not fearing God as we ought. The sin of not obeying when we know we should and knowing that we could. The sin of not living with boldness for Jesus. There's confession that needs to go on in all of us. And as I sat here during my study this week, my heart poured out in confession that I am guilty of these sins. None of us are all good. But remember, let me encourage you with these words from 1 John. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is, Lord, I must confess that I have denied You and I will confess You before men. And He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And denying Jesus is a pardonable offense that we must confess. So as we end this final session, let me leave you with a few questions and the charge. What are you going to do? The ball is in your court. If it's a relay race, I'm handing you the baton. If tonight were your last night on earth, do you know for certain that Jesus would confess you before the Father? Christian, will you repent? Turn away from fearful living. Will you take a stand and be bold and unashamed for Jesus Christ? Will you live with confidence and boldness? So here's the charge. Confess Jesus before the world. Give your life for this. Do not settle for anything lesser in life than to confess Him and give your life for Him. He did not settle for anything less than to give His life for you. Never settle. Never compromise. A young pastor in Zimbabwe was martyred. Among his belongings was found his journal. Inside was found this entry written sometime before he died. It reads, 
I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of His, and I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm done and finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I, am no lo- I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or tops or recognized or praised or rewarded. I live by faith, lean on His presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by the Holy Spirit's power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road may be narrow. My way rough. My companions few. But my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of adversity. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until He comes. And when He does come for His own, He'll have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. Will you join the fellowship of the unashamed? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the testimony of all who have come before us. We thank you for the confidence that we can receive through the gospel. We pray for boldness. Lord, that we would fear you. We would not fear those around us. We would not fear what others think. But we would have this single-minded devotion to serve You, to love You, to obey You, and to proclaim Your Gospel to a lost and dying world. May this hope be an ever-increasing reality in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.